Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff I Never Told You, production of iHeartRadio. So this one uh, was something I'd never heard of, but definitely should have known was a thing. But you brought it to my attention, Samantha. I did. Today we're talking about witchploitation. Right. Yeah, I was very, uh, of course, I was in my world of Twitterverse and there were several, uh, whether it was, I think she was publishing some books and doing some speaking. And then below was talking about exploitation, which I was like, what? Oh, oh, what is this? Annie must know. And I just started texting you and I was like, hey, let's talk about this because this sounds really interesting, especially since we seem to be really into witches right now. And by the way, they're killing it at the protest. Like they're there and go ahead, witches. Yes, yes. Um, It's a long history of witches and protesting, which we'll touch on a little bit in this one. And we have touched on it before. Uh, and yeah, we have been doing a lot of witch content lately. We did the craft. We did the witch. Um, right. So we thought, We're sure. We're going to do more. We have a big list. We do have a big list. That is not a lie. <laughs> <laughs> so as we love to do, let us start with a definition. In literature or cinema, the use of the craft, or more broadly, paganism in general, for sensationalistic, usually horror-inducing, ends. Um And this is from the Mapping Contemporary Cinema website, which I found a lot of great content on if you're interested. Um, It might help us to define the exploitation film genre at large, too, and give a bit of that history. So these films emerged in the 1930s, and at the time, they were... uh, verging on pornographic, often described as the film version of freak shows, and they usually came with some heavy-handed moral messaging. They frequently used pornographic images to condemn pornography, for example, playing on what audiences wanted, what they thought was forbidden, and then getting away with it under the guise that ultimately they were condemning these things i.e. the sexy lady would die for being sexy. A simple definition of exploitation films is something that is in, quote, bad taste for the time. Yeah, so by the time the 60s rolled around, exploitation films had evolved from the strip tease to the nudity, blatantly looking to stir up feelings that were disturbing and arousing. The moral lesson was out the window. And this happened to coincide with a renewed interest in witches, Wicca, the occult, and in part driven by the psychedelic community. Here we see the rise of witchploitation films. So let's talk about witches. Uh, one yes. of the most recent examples of mass witch burning was the Salem witch trials of the 1600s, culminating in the death of 14 women. But our cultural interest never truly went away as we see it all the time. Yes, as we keep talking about it ourselves. Yes. Also, asterisks there. A lot of people use the term witch burning to call to encompass any kind of uh, killing of witches. In the Salem witch trials, I believe it was hanging. Um, but yes, the death, the execution of witches. If we step back to 1486's best-selling witch hunting manual. Malleus Maleficarum, written by Catholic inquisitors and theologians, we can see the long history our society has of fearing female agency. Here is a quote from that book. When a woman thinks alone, she thinks evil, which I can't deny, but come on. 
Uh, <laughs> it claimed <laughs> that women were having sex with devils and demons and riding on broomsticks, a.k.a. Uh, dildos, uh, which was troublesome because it implied that these women didn't need a man. The book, <gasps> I know, horror of horrors. The book addresses it directly in, quote, how, as it were, witches deprive man of his virile member. Uh, oh. Yes, <laughs> and it goes on. And what then is to be thought of those witches who in this way sometimes collect male organs in great numbers, as many <laughs> as 20 or 30 members together, and what? put them in a bird's nest or shut them up in a box where they move <laughs> themselves like living members and eat oats and corn, as has, by, as has been seen by many, and it is a matter of common report." <laughs> I'm sure it was a matter right of there, common. right? <laughs> That's like a pet. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, it's really Obviously funny now with our right. modern eyes, but yes, they, I mean, they were killing people. Um, from the mid 1400s to 1600s, yes, witch hunting resulted in the deaths of up to 100,000 in Europe. About 80% of those deaths were women, many who lived in some way on the outside of society. Healers, midwives, those who lived alone or poor or widowed or in some way controlled or owned property. Those who complained if they weren't religious, um, torture usually followed, including an examining of the body for a third nipple and a vaginal teat where it was believed that women uh, milk gave their milk to like goats and rabbits and stuff. Uh, and if found guilty, death by fire, beheading, or hanging. So the, the examination was an autopsy after they died? No, this it was, was beforehand. Be yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it's gross. Uh -huh. Interesting. So historians believe witch hunting had to do with Europe's and later America's need to control women's bodies, surprise, and their ability to reproduce, of course, within the sanctioned family structure uh, for capital and labor, their ability to produce more workers. This included the bodies of enslaved black women as well. Enslaved women of childbearing age were called an increase because they could increase potential wealth of the owner. Women who, quote, did not need a man who weren't having children for one reason or another were a threat. The Malleus Malfocarum addresses this directly too. So, quote, how witches impede and prevent the power of procreation. And, quote, witches who are midwives in various ways kill the child conceived in the womb and procure an abortion. Or if they did not this, offer newborn children to the devil, obviously. Jeez. Jeez. Oh, and I just want to put in here too, we're not focusing on it today, but there is a witch hunting tradition outside of uh, Western culture. Uh, and I know I read some about what has happened in India and Africa. We'd love to come back to that too. But, but pretty much focusing on uh, Europe and America for today. Um, in 1484, Pope Innocent VIII, who I would bet everything I have was not innocent, <laughs> everything I have, um, <laughs> he claimed that witches, quote, by their incantation spells, conjurations, and other accursed superstitions and horrid charms, enormities, and offenses destroy the offspring of women. They hinder men from generating and women from conceiving. How dare they? Yes, terrible. 
As Sylvia Federici concluded in her 2004 work, Caliban and the Witch, witch hunts fueled by misogyny were one of the building blocks of capitalism and our modern state. Along with land and other natural resources, women's bodies and enslaved bodies were exploited for capitalistic profit. Previous feminist thinkers argued, too, that the targeting of midwives in particular was a way of making women dependent on male doctors for knowledge about their own bodies. Something that continues to this day if we think about who is creating and upholding laws about our reproductive rights, restrictions around childcare and paid leave. In this context, the rise of digital covens casting hexes on Donald Trump and Brett Kavanaugh makes sense, too. And the fear of witches seen in churches saying <laughs> protective spells to save them from hexes. I actually didn't know that happened until doing this research. Well, uh, I mean, that's what's happening apparently in this protest. <laughs> with churches are like praying to get They're, the hexes off. Yeah. They, and also, no, I don't know about the churches praying to get the protective spell away from the hexes, but the witches are sending out hexes. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was yeah. like, huh. Yeah. No, I, <laughs> I knew about the I hex mean, part. That probably that's makes right sense. up my alley. If they hear that there are witches out, there's that's going to be somewhere, somebody mm. is going to be doing this. I'm, I'm, I'm betting. I, uh, uh. So we started to see a marked resurgence in witches in our media in the 1960s and 70s. And there was one main difference, though. Instead of old hags, these new witches were seductresses, young and sexy. Gone was the old woman. And the threat to fertility she symbolized replaced with the threat of female sexuality. Ooh, scary. Mm, Something to be feared and obviously punished, because you gotta. Mm -hmm. And the new witch was something to be consumed by, who else? Men. And of course, then discarded. Yes. Some prime examples include the 1972 film, The Virgin Witch. The film follows a model who gets all mixed up with the coven of lesbian witches, of course. It was endorsed by a British adult magazine, if that tells you anything. Um, this was a typical plotline of witchploitation films. Young woman is seduced by witchcraft somehow, and this frees her from her sexual inhibitions. They usually have elements of softcore porn and horror. The witch's power, the fear she held over men, was turned into something that served their pleasure, and she eventually was punished for that power. Bitchcraft is another example from the 70s. Um, And The Mark of the Devil, a 1970s German film about an Austrian witch hunter, and it came with the promise that it would upset your stomach. I believe it said on the poster, guaranteed to upset your stomach. Interesting. Indeed. Very interesting. So that's kind of a, a rundown of exploitation films and some witch exploitation films. We do have some more for you, but first, we have a quick break for a word from our sponsor. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. And we're back with something a lot of you listeners have written in about, so I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah, so as we've discussed in previous episodes, witches are having a cultural renaissance, one that seems to crest and fall every decade or, or so. Uh, one move that came up in our research, and a few of you have suggested we check out, is 2016's The Love Witch by Anna Biller. It presents a feminist take on the whole witch exploitation thing. And here's the plot. A beautiful young witch named Elaine cast a love spell to find her perfect match. It doesn't turn out like she imagined. Nope. <laughs> and leads to a murder spree and a brush with 
insanity, of course. While there are signs of our modern day, much of it invokes the style of 60s exploitation film. The rituals are shot with the same attention, frequently given to the female body in these films. And while her body is exposed in certain ways, imagery around her menstrual cycle, for instance, is not done for pornographic purposes. It's done to illustrate the dual power and the vulnerability of female body. The director has expressed her frustration that her previous films were labeled as sexploitation instead of critiques on those films that borrowed some of their styles to underline the point. And we can see that here in this one, Elaine is wooden in the way she speaks and acts, stilted and one-dimensional. She was in love with the idea of love, but every time a suitor shows any real emotion towards her, she kills them. Whoops. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't understand it either, resorting to a spell. Really, she's more interested in power. She's what women so frequently are in porn movies, a one-dimensional rendering without emotions. She even says that you have to give men sex, and that that's love. But the movie is on it, totally self-aware. It flips the stereotype, and every time that man shows emotions, she's the one that can't take it. Yeah, I really enjoyed watching this movie. Yeah. And the first time I watched it, I was like, man, she's like flat out saying really sexist things. And the person she's <laughs> talking to, Trish, is like, you, you've been brainwashed by the patriarchy. And I was like, oh, whoa, what is this movie? There it is. <laughs> it's true. Um, here's a quote from Allison Anders at Talk House. Fear of the female planet rules the men in the Love Witch. They not only recoiled the sight of a bloody tampon, one cop doesn't even know what it is. It continues to amaze me how menstruation is still such a taboo in cinema. Thank you, someone else who agrees with my whole theory <laughs> that it's all about male writers' fear of the female period. Um, it's a marvelous delight to see the male characters not only not in charge of the narrative, but disempowered and frivolous. It's hard to feel sorry for any of them, honestly, and that's really, really fun for a change. To see the men as the one-dimensional characters, the ones we find hard to take seriously, the uninteresting ones. Yeah, I love that. So further, Biller has called Elaine a, quote, glamour witch, but in the sense of tr the true meaning of the word, the little relationship between feminine allure and magic. But in our culture, it's gotten reduced to superficial appearances. So this usage in the film provides commentary on how female power has been reduced down to beauty and a facade of power, quick and fading. Elaine even flashes back to her ex-husband praising her for wearing makeup and for losing weight, equating her artificial power to her looks. And the camera frequently zooms in on her eye makeup as she casts spells, suggesting her power comes from this artificiality. And when the magic has done its job, the makeup is shown smeared. Mm-hmm. Um, the film also critiques our media representation of witchcraft and paganism. The male leader of the coven is the one who lectures the female members on how to get men in power. This was another scene where I was like, wait, what is happening here? <laughs> um, he says, you know, you've got to wear makeup. You've got to use your sexuality. Elaine's joining ritual is played off much more as an abusive thing with the leader having sex with her while the others watch. Um, this movie came out three days after the 2016 election. And Biller said about it, as soon as the election happened, the reviews became very different. And those scenes with the near rape and the crowd shouting, burn the witch, that all feels pretty Trumpian all of a sudden. Mm. Um, and our previous feminist movie Friday pick, The Witch, comes up a lot in Witchploitation Conversation 2 as another example of turning that stereotypical narrative, that trope on its head. 
feminism does end up as part of this conversation quite a bit, which makes sense given how often conversations around witches involve feminism, as you could tell when we've been talking about the movie. Uh, For example, there are the hashtag witches of Instagram, a group looking to introduce people to the craft by spreading information via social media. And they post occult images, often with feminist captions. And there's this quote from Rachel Mosley's glamorous witchcraft, gender and magic in teen film and television. The myth of the witch is essentially a product of male fears. Historical stories warned of witches crash-shading men, of unbalancing patriarchal structures. Witches. Witches? (laughs) Yes. We do have a little bit more for you listeners, but first, we have one more quick break forward from our sponsor. Thank you, sponsor. Something else we wanted to touch on was the rise of Black millennial women practicing witchcraft and particularly African rituals. And there's actually someone Eves um, is trying to put me in contact with who works at Georgia Tech, who knows all about this, and I would love to talk to her. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, many of these Black women describe it as empowering. And along with that, we've seen an anxiety around white women appropriating or continuing to appropriate uh, African rituals. You can even hear it uh, in Princess Nokia's song, Bruja's, Everything You Got, You Got From Us. Mm-hmm. So in 2015, Lakeisha Harris formed a digital coven called Black Witch Chronicles. And in 2017, she opened Black Witch University with the goal of reclaiming African traditions and concepts when it comes to witchcraft. Vice quoted her as saying, Audrey Lord says, the master tools will never dismantle the master's house. So what will dismantle the master's house? Your tools. Go and reclaim your tools. Your magic will dismantle the master's house. And they have a podcast. So if you want to check it out, you definitely should. Yes, yes. In a very, very teeny nutshell, uh, African-American witchcraft is thought to originate with the West African Yoruba, um, religious tradition centered on ancestors and deities. Once enslaved West African peoples were forcibly brought over to colonial America, Yoruba combined and evolved with Western religions like Catholicism, also largely forcibly, eventually giving birth to things like voodoo and hoodoo. And there's been a long history of exoticizing and fetishizing and othering of witchcraft practiced by Black people. And we see that play out in our media. While witches in general are empowered in our media, Black witches are often one-dimensional characters that prop up the main white witches' storyline. And many are culturally problematic and or depict evil villains terrorizing good white people. This speaks to not only the lack of representation, but continued fear of the power and agency of Black women. Yes. Um... Always, we always suggest being critical of your media and its messaging. Uh, do your research. Um, I have a good friend who uh, says, you know, she has kids. And before she shows her kids anything, even if she remembers it fondly, uh, worth a rewatch. Yes. Because <laughs> you don't, you might not remember something in there. It doesn't mean don't show it, but, you know, have that conversation. If, if you need to of um, problematic messaging or, or don't show it, you know. Right. Be critical. <laughs> I was going to say, I think our new game and our generation has become, well, I guess it's every generation, honestly, when we think of things fondly as children and we rewatch it and you're like, oh my God, why did my parents let me watch this? Yes. Yeah. Some of it has been shocking, honestly. Right. Um, like, oh, wow. <laughs> um, interesting messaging in this one. Right. Um, 
And certainly as we are seeing this resurgence in, which is in our media, I found a lot of examples of Black witches, more fully developed, well-formed characters. And we would love suggestions from listeners. I really appreciate the love witch suggestion. Mm-hmm. Spot on. Mm-hmm. Loved it. Um, so if you have any more for us to to check out or that we should share with the Sminty audience, please send them to us. You can send them to Stuff Media Mom Stuff at iHeartMedia.com. You can also find us on Twitter at Mom Stuff Podcast or on Instagram at Stuff I Never Told You. Thanks as always to our super producer, Andrew Howard. Thumbs up. And thanks to you for listening. Stefo Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 